What's going on and how's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Three Rivers Fancast. I've uh, been out for a while. I have a lot to catch up on. Uh, obviously, first things first, I just want to start off with uh, that Steelers and Ravens game uh, yesterday. Pretty crazy game. Um, across the board, there's a lot going on. Uh, I spent the majority of the game... In the first half, just screaming at my television, about to have a heart attack uh, because of that pathetic excuse of officiating. But somehow, some way, the Steelers prevailed. Big Ben stepped up huge. Uh, really got the offense rolling with the no huddle in the second half. Had an outstanding fourth quarter, about as good as a fourth quarter of, as I've seen him have in his entire career. It was incredible. He was 9 for 10. Um, it was it was just perfect passer rating in the fourth quarter. Uh, Deontay Johnson, he bounced back from a drop touchdown on a deep ball uh, earlier in the game that, like I said, would have been seven. But he bounced back big. Uh, had, I believe, like seven or eight catches, uh, well over 100 yards, and two other touchdowns. So he stepped up, obviously. Uh, the O-line stepped up huge. I mean, granted, even with the loss of uh, of Joe Haig and with the loss of uh, uh, B.J. Finney early in the game, uh, I was really surprised. Uh Leglu stepped in, and he was he was really good. Stepping in at guard, uh, I was really surprised at what he was able to do. He was really, I mean, we we saw more push out of Leglu in that offensive line than uh, we've just about seen all year, or at least in especially compared to the past few weeks. And what we've seen out of that O line, so maybe maybe Leglu becomes the guy. Uh, maybe we we expect we might expect to see more out of him, even when getting guys like like BJ Finney back, and such. Because I mean, I saw mo- more push and more heart out of him than I've seen out of uh, a lot of these guys that we've been rolling in and out of this offensive line throughout the year. Um. But, I mean, before I want to talk about the offense as a whole, I got to talk about the defense. Because, I mean, it was night and day from last week's performance against the Bengals to yesterday. Uh, I mean, they were incredible. Uh, completely just damn near shut Lamar Jackson down. Uh especially in, the, in that first half. I mean, constantly in his face, uh, just consistent pressure. That was the difference. Just obviously, uh, you know, Keith Butler put into the game plan that he wanted to bring more pressure to Lamar, and it worked out to perfection. Uh, T.J. Watt had the most pressures in a game than he's had in his entire career. It was incredible. Uh not just him. I mean, he was the story, but I mean, the other big story had to have been uh, the former Raven acquired to Pittsburgh via trade 
Chris Wormley. I mean, he was unbelievable. What do you have? Two and a half sacks, five tackles. It was so nice to see that for Wormley. I was incredibly proud of him and happy for him that he was able to do that against his former team. I had read somewhere that Tomlin had basically spoken to Wormley at some point either earlier this year or last season after we acquired him and, you know, said, you know, when when a team trades you uh, to you, to you, their rival, they're basically just telling you what they think of you. And I thought that was really cool. Obviously, Wormley uh, really sent a message to the Baltimore Ravens yesterday in showing that maybe they shouldn't have let go of him. But I just want to thank the Ravens for trading Chris Wormley to us for practically nothing. Just a couple of low draft picks. He's been a great addition to this group. He's great for our depth, and I expect to see more out of him. Uh, Also, I thought worth noting, uh, Montrevious Adams, the nose tackle that the Steelers had just picked off practically off the street uh he spent this year's training camp with the new england patriots uh later on in the preseason uh signed with the saints and was demoted to their practice squad later on after uh the steelers signed him just earlier last week and he, he came in, he, he stepped in his first game, and, and he made a huge difference in that defensive line. I mean, Cam Hayward said it himself. I mean, coming in off the street, and he, you know, he held the standard. And, yeah, just plugged all the holes. The Ravens were not able to run the ball really well, really at all. Uh, was able to just get a lot of consistent pressure. Uh, just overall, great, great job. And uh, it wasn't just him, and it was, it was a collective effort, effort, uh, especially from that uh, secondary compared to to uh, last week. I mean, we had last week James Pierre getting mossed by guys like. Uh, T. Higgins and such. Uh, Pierre's looked pretty awful basically the whole year, and it it has appeared uh, just based off of yesterday's game that Akella Witherspoon has seemed to have jumped him in the depth chart, which is something a lot of us Steelers fans weren't really expecting to see. We were expecting Pierre to be the guy, possibly be the... uh, Second cornerback on the outside, opposite of Joe Hayden. Uh, Or maybe even possibly the slot guy with Sutton being that guy on the outside. But uh, Pierre's just basically been toast all year. Uh, He's had a couple good moments, like the overtime pick against Denver. Or not overtime pick, I'm sorry. Pick on the last play of the game against Denver. But that was a long time ago, it seems like, from now. And uh, 
especially against Cincinnati. Both those games against Cincinnati, Pierre was just getting torched, whether it was Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, whoever it might have been, Tyler Boyd, whatever. Uh, but Akello stepped up last night. I mean, he's had – I'm not going to lie. I mean, Akello hasn't hasn't been too great in the games prior, obviously, but it seems like he might be turning a corner. Uh Saved a touchdown on the Ravens' uh, second-to-last drive of the game. It was a wide-open Mark Andrews, or at least he appeared to have been wide open until Akello jumped in his way at the very last moment, almost had the interception on him. But, I mean, Romo said it himself on the broadcast that, you know, if Akello didn't jump in there at the very last second and read that play, uh, that was going to be an easy touchdown. I mean... Andrews would have walked in the end zone. Would have been like a 60 or 70-yard bomb. So, yeah. I mean, that wasn't the only play that Akello was making. But, I mean, he was just absolutely blanketing those Baltimore receivers all night long. So, that was really pleasant to see. Uh, But overall, I mean, I was really worried about how this secondary was going to look Another week without Joe Hayden. Uh, yeah, I was not. I was, uh, you know, not feeling too great, not feeling too confident about this game. That that team, especially that defense, it just absolutely surprised me, completely. Uh, Tomlin just he does this, you know, he does a great job after a tough loss, just rallying the troops, getting the guys prepared. And they always win these games that you just never really expect them to win. Everyone's counting them out. And that's when they step up the most. Uh, hopefully, we could get Joe Hayden back. Uh, I have my doubts for the next game, just considering it's a Thursday night game on a short week. Uh, I really hope he's uh, going to be able to obviously be able to play. I I know he's getting more work in. Uh, He's getting closer, but it's going to be, it's going to be a tough call. Just going to have to wait and see on the updates in the next coming days. But just all around amazing game by that defense. Uh, Alville Nueva, our former left tackle, uh, you know, former Steeler. Now with the Ravens, he was just getting absolutely bodied by Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt all game. Uh, As expected, but Highsmith just continues to impress. He continues to get better each and every game. Uh, nice to see, you know, more growth out of him. A lot of people were worried after, you know, Steelers lost Dupree in free agency in the offseason. I was not really one of those people. I saw the kind of player that, the kind of potential that Alex Highsmith had even in his, in his rookie season last year. I, I figured, Obviously, he was only going to get better. A lot of people might have been worried about the sophomore slump season. I don't think that we've seen that out of Alex. I thought I thought he's been 
pretty solid all year. I mean, a little bit of a quieter season. But I don't really think that's Alex's fault. This defense has been uh, significantly more affected by injuries this year. I mean, we had, obviously, the Devin Bush injury last year. But that was about as, as worse as the injuries got for the Steelers in 2020. I mean, this year we've had two it. We've had, obviously, Hayden out for all these games. We had Watt out for a few games. Even Highsmith himself missed a couple of games, I believe. So, I mean, and and not to mention, you know, others. A few others that I just am forgetting about. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just all around. Really impressive effort. Uh, but I got off track talking about the Steelers' performance. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier in the podcast that I wanted to brush upon, brush up on uh, just the awful, awful officiating just throughout the game. Uh, there was the Ray Ray McLeod catch that was ruled a catch and was very obviously a catch. I don't care if the nose of the football had made contact with the ground. It didn't even move, not even a little bit. And he clearly showed that he had maintained control throughout the process of him going to the ground. There wasn't any question about it. Everybody knows to overturn a call, you need clear and indisputable evidence. And that is not by any circumstance what they had on the replay. You cannot overturn that call, period. Now, I would somewhat understand, maybe, if it was called incomplete on the field because the refs just never want to overturn crap in regards to the Steelers when it matters most, even if it's about as clear and obvious as it gets. But it was literally called a catch on the field. And I don't know if Harbaugh just cried and and complained enough to get the refs to just listen to his stupid little plea. But whatever it was, it was a flat-out embarrassment by those officials. They should all be ashamed of themselves. The NFL needs to start holding these refs accountable for once in their lives. It's getting absolutely ridiculous. That could have costed us that game about five times over again. Not just the Ray Ray catch. There were pass interferences that they weren't calling on the Steelers throughout the game on Claypool. On Johnson, there was the Chuck Clark unnecessary roughness when he laid him out helmet to helmet. The ball sails over Johnson's head about, I don't know, like damn near five seconds before he lays the hit on him, and he's out of bounds. If that was Hollywood Brown, if that was Jamar Chase, any other receiver in the NFL that plays for a different team, guaranteed that flag's getting thrown every single time. The Steelers continue to get jobbed by the refs each and every week. 
and I don't give a damn what the mainstream media has to say about the Steelers getting helped because they just want to keep pushing that narrative on. We all know what the truth is. Anybody that has watched the Steelers games throughout this season especially knows what the truth is. Anyone that wants to go back and talk about the whole Jesse James situation a few years ago, they know what the truth is. It's been the same crap for at least five years on if you've watched this team and the constant battle that we have to undergo with these officials. We don't just have to beat our opponent that's on the field. You got to beat the refs too because they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that this game is as difficult as humanly possible for the Pittsburgh Steelers each and every time they step on the football field. And is it just a coincidence that every person in Heinz Field is chanting a clear refs you suck chant? And it's about as loud as I've heard that chant ever. I mean, it was about as clear as you could hear it on the television as you could in like any game that I've, that I've watched. But right after... The whole stadium is chanting, refs, you suck. The Ravens, or I'm sorry, it was the Steelers that committed a false start. It was obviously a false start. But the whistle was not blown for the false start until well after the play had began. No whistles were blown until the play had began and the ball had left Ben Roethlisberger's hands. And then the ball hits the ground. Nobody else knows what's going on on the team. The Ravens player picks up the ball, starts running down the field, trying to score. Nobody knows what's going on because the crowd is going insane because the Steelers just got absolutely screwed for the fifth straight time in the game. So everyone's screaming. Nobody can hear a whistle being blown, especially if you're not actually blowing it before the actual ball is snapped like you're supposed to do. So a Steelers player tries to tackle the Ravens guy that's trying to score. And somehow, somehow, some way, that becomes a 15-yard penalty on the Steelers. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't comprehend it. I really can't. I, I, I'm sorry, I just can't. I can't understand it. I mean, the perfect example that I heard someone say on Twitter, uh, just explaining the whole, uh, you know, not hearing the false start, guy runs down the field, you know, throw the flag when he gets tackled because nobody could hear the whistle originally because you don't throw it in time and the crowd's screaming, is uh, just, you know, you want to let dogs act like dogs. Don't complain when they bite someone. And it's pretty much as simple as that. I mean, can't hear the whistle. I mean, don't don't let the guy run down the field and then expect to just go to the end zone untouched when nobody on the field can hear you blow the whistle. It's not like how is that how is that on the guy who's trying to do his job 
and tackling the other guy's fault. It was clearly not a malicious hit. It wasn't a dirty play or whatever. Just trying to do what he needs to do. But, you know, like I said, Steelers had to beat the Ravens and the refs last night. And they did so successfully, but uh, it would have been a whole different story if the Steelers didn't prevail and have that amazing fourth quarter. Ben Roethlisberger, the offensive line, Deontay Johnson, all those guys. Uh, you, you know, not to mention, like I said, the, the pass interferences, I mean... It was ridiculous. And then there was the P.I. that was called on Minka late in the game. It was like a 60-yard penalty on the Ravens' last drive of the game. Basically gave Lamar about 70 yards down the field without even having to do anything, of course. I mean, you could even see the clip of Lamar laughing and smiling because he knew that it was total bullcrap because he threw the literally underthrew his receiver by about 15 yards and I don't know how Minka's supposed to like turn around and look for the ball I mean he he wasn't he wasn't touching the receiver he was covering period he wasn't touching him was he covering him very closely like a defender should do yeah he was it's called football I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. He didn't have his arms wrapped around him. He wasn't grabbing his jersey even. He wasn't doing any of that crap. Claypool was having his jersey grabbed the whole game. Couldn't get a P.I. call. Johnson was getting assaulted when he was out of bounds. About 10 seconds after the you know, ball sailed over his head. Can't get a call. But Steelers, Steelers DBs can't, can't graze or touch a guy without, you know, instantly getting a flag thrown when you're playing against precious Lamar Jackson. So I really don't want to hear anything from any Steelers haters, Ravens fans, or whatever the hell talking about the Steelers get all the calls when we all saw the same game that we that was on last night, so... Yeah. I'm just I'm just I'm just honestly I'm I'm pretty sick of, of just the refs not being held accountable for any of these colossals colossal mistakes they make and it's all gonna get swept under the rug because the Steelers still won the game. But I mean you know, they very well could not have won the game. And the refs shouldn't have that big of an impact on the game that they did. It wouldn't have been near. It would not have been nearly as close if it weren't for all the horrible, horrible calls they were making, or non-calls, I should say. They missed a false start on the Ravens. Also in that game, uh, they missed several holds on T.J. Watt and on Alex Highsmith. Some of them were about as obvious as they could possibly get. Some of them, Tony Romo and Jim Nance were pointing out, literally vocally pointing them out on the broadcast on a few different occasions. 
but, you know, nobody's ever going to hold him accountable. They're just going to keep being able to get away with this until they cost a few more players, a few more teams their seasons. It doesn't matter how many petitions you can write. Goodell is going to constantly just defend his stupid-ass officials at any, you know, at any cost. So it's a lost cause. I'm just glad the Steelers managed to somehow persevere. But it just gets, it gets exhausting after a while having to see what you see, knowing what you know. It's just... And the thing that really bothers me with the pass interference on Minka that very well could have costed the Steelers the game after they had the great comeback, retook the lead in, in the in the fourth quarter, uh, was just the fact that, I mean, the ball's not catchable. It says on in the rule book itself, the ball has to be catchable for it to be actually called a pass interference. When the ball is 15 to 20 yards outside of where the receiver is, it's not a catchable pass. So Lamar just continues to get to get to be thanked for making awful throws. We've seen this all year and not just all year throughout the entire time Lamar Jackson's been in the NFL. I have nothing against Lamar Jackson personally. It's just anybody with eyes can see that the rape, that the refs just favor him at any and all costs. He's like the new guy that the refs are just like, you know, hopping on the crotch of. I mean, it's been Brady and Rodgers the entire time, and Lamar's like the new guy that they're also just, you know, doing anything, anything they can to protect him. And it's just really annoying for, you know, guys like me who just want to see the game be played fairly, how it's supposed to be played, and just at least give everybody, you know, the same equal chance and just like, you know, just let the guys play. It's it's pretty much that simple. It shouldn't be a whole thing of ref ball who could get more calls, who can get more questionable calls that shouldn't be thrown or who can not get the calls thrown that are clear and obvious. It shouldn't be any of that. Just do your job. You got to start finding these guys, suspending these guys for horrible mistakes that they make that cost teams points and that cost teams games and seasons. Because at, at a certain point, it just starts to get ridiculous. But nonetheless, Steelers come on top, 20 to 19. Defense at the hands of, like I said, the horrible call on Micah Fitzpatrick. They give up a touchdown uh, that if John Harbaugh just rolls his kicker out, uh, could have tied the game if he just goes and get, kicks the extra point. But Harbaugh had said that he had really no healthy cornerbacks. Marlon Humphrey got hurt um, in that game, so they didn't really have any healthy guys uh, with uh, Marcus Peters already being out. So they figured they could just should just try to win it right then and there. They figured that was their best chance. Uh, Mark Andrews was open, but T.J. Watt made the play of the game. 
had the great pressure on him. The biggest pressure of the night got in Lamar Jackson's face, jumped up in the air as Lamar was trying to throw it. He had to throw it at a weird angle. Couldn't even see Mark Andrews when he threw the ball. Ravens fans are going to say that it was a lucky... It was lucky that Lamar missed the throw. I mean, he missed the throw because T.J. Watt was up in his face. So, it wasn't really lucky. It was just an outstanding play by the Defensive Player of the Year and the highest-paid highest defensive player in all the league. But, you know, that's why he makes the big bucks. So, overall, just really proud of him. Uh, proud of T.J., as great as a game as I've seen out of him like since he came into the league in 2017 so yeah it was just uh, you know hopefully they can keep it up have the huge game Thursday night against Minnesota hopefully we can get Hayden back uh should be interesting to see when we're going to be able to get Dotson back. I know he was supposed to be out for a three-week minimum. I don't know if that third game has already passed. It might be one more game to where he's not going to be able to get off IR or not. I'm not sure of that. But, yeah. Uh, hopefully, Leglu can continue to build off of that great performance. And the O-line can continue to make steps going forward. Najee had a great second half. Wasn't able to really get anything going. We weren't really moving the ball well early on in the game uh, with Finney in there. But, I mean, Leglu came in and replaced him, and and all of a sudden the O-line just started to get this great push. So hopefully he gets more reps. Even if Finney comes back, I'd just like to see more out of Leglu. Give him more reps, see what he could do. Because, I mean, he was... I don't want to say dominating, but, I mean, there were a few plays where it, it really did look like that. I mean, he was opening up these wide-open holes for Najee to run through. I mean, and it, and it really makes a difference because it's not even just all Najee. I mean, we got Benny Snell coming in there getting 9-yard, 10-yard runs on just these great pushes from that O-line. I mean, it, it wasn't just Leglu. Dan Moore did a great job late in the game. Uh, just seemed like that line just continued to get better throughout the course of that game. And in the fourth quarter, they really just, you know, imposed their will on that Ravens D-line. You could tell they were starting to get tired. Ben was picking them apart. Uh, the no huddle, I'd love to see more of that going into Minnesota. I've seen a lot of debate on Twitter amongst Steeler fans thinking, oh, maybe maybe we should come out with the no-huddle offense uh, or the hurry-up uh, coming out in the beginning of the game because it would catch Minnesota off guard and so on, you know. They wouldn't be expecting it, and you might be able to get just a, a better start because obviously it was an insanely sn- slow start out of that offense in yesterday night's game. I don't know, maybe. Maybe that could be a, a good answer. We know that Matt Canada is not the reason for why the offense was able to have the success they did in that second half. I mean, we all know it was Ben drawing up plays in that no huddle, switching up, making all the adjustments. 
at this point, just hand the offense over to Ben. I, I don't want to hear, I don't want to see any more crap from Matt Canada. From Matt Canada, like I've seen enough with him. Just give Ben the controls at this point. I like the idea, honestly, of starting out of the uh, of the no huddle. Obviously, you can't do it throughout the game because you got you you know you don't want to you know wear the defense down throughout the course of the game. But at least starting off, seeing how it goes, it might be a good idea. I mean, it's better than you know not doing the no huddle and just stalling out and having three and outs on three or four straight straight drives to start the game. I mean, that'll make your defense more worn out if you just go with, you know, idiot Canada making all the calls and letting the offense stall out time and time again. And that's going to bring – that the defense is going to be on the field obviously way more doing that than if, you know, we could actually at least get, you know – if not score, at least get a couple first downs, a few first downs, move down the field a little bit. That's going to burn more time just alone, you know, no huddle or not. So, I don't know. I just really hope that they're going to have a good enough scheme and build off of this win and not have, you know, the rat poison, as Nick Saban likes to call it, and start, you know, feeling themselves too much after a big win like this and come unprepared once again for a team like Minnesota who's got a lot of talent on both sides. The defense has surprised me on, you know, quite a few separate occasions. Separate occasions. Vikings defense, I mean, they've beat teams like Chargers, uh, Packers, other talented teams. So we can't Definitely can't take them lightly. But uh, definitely a statement win. For sure. I just wanted to make a correction as well. Um, I said earlier that the uh, defensive pass interference on Minka was on the final drive that the Ravens had. Uh, That was incorrect. Uh, It happened just a couple drives before then. And it was on the drive where the Ravens kicked the field goal to go up 13-9. and Nonetheless, still giving the Ravens points that they didn't earn because they stalled out and, you know, basically went three and out after getting that penalty. So, you know, the 60, 70-yard penalty, just refs giving the Ravens just enough to, you know, get the three they needed there, but nonetheless. Uh, another thing was Boswell, like, you know, we had to basically, I mean, we're so used to Boswell bailing the Steelers out. Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger really had to bail Boz out in this one. Uh, there was the awful missed PAT, which I don't know if that was just nerves because of the energy of the crowd and just this sudden score, uh, whatever it was. Um, but, I mean, that should have tied the game. And then there was, uh, after the Steelers finally take the lead in the game, him on the kickoff 
kicking it out of bounds, giving the Ravens amazing field position at the 40-yard line with the penalty. Uh, that was that proved to be real costly. I believe that was on the final drive. I'm about to double-check that right now. I don't want to be wrong about that, too. Um, yes, it was on the final drive. So that proved to be huge. But obviously wasn't enough, thanks to John Harbaugh. But, I mean, mostly thanks to the defense. Uh, that's about all for that Steelers game that I wanted to cover. Um, some other things going on around the league. I mean, the Lions finally got a win against Minnesota. It's another reason why I feel like they're going to be coming out on Thursday night way more prepared. They're going to have a little extra pep in their step after, you know, losing an embarrassing one against Detroit. It's just going to give them all the more motivation. Justin Jefferson still had an outstanding game, 11 catches, 182 yards with a touchdown. Uh, he's going to be a problem for the Steelers. Uh, hope, I'm, just, I'm just praying we can get Hayden back. I really think they're going to need him to contain a guy like, like Jefferson. Uh, other than that, Buccaneers got a win against the Falcons. Cowboys got a win against the Saints. Uh, Chargers uh, just separated themselves from the Bengals late in the game. Just started destroying them in that fourth quarter. Uh, Burrow hurt his pinky or some crap like that and apparently couldn't throw the ball. And, uh, you know, ended up throwing a couple of really costly interceptions. And the Chargers was ju were just capitalizing. There was a <laughs> pretty hilarious Joe Mixon fumble in that game. I mean, nobody even touched him. The ball just completely just slipped out of his hand on his own. Like, nobody even forced it out or anything like that. Uh, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Ended up being a scoop and score touchdown for the Chargers to give them more padding. Uh, they were already up two at that point, but, you know, from that point, the Chargers just ran away with it. Um, other than that, the Dolphins got a win that they very much needed against the Giants. Kind of keeps them in the conversation for the playoffs, maybe. It's going to be a big fight. It's really tight in the AFC right now for this playoff picture. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see who ends up getting this uh, this last this last couple seeds or whatever in the conference. We got the Steelers at six five and one. We got Colts are seven and six. Las Vegas, Cleveland, and Denver are all six and six, and then you got Miami at six and seven. Uh, Buffalo lost tonight, which is very relevant, obviously. Drops them to 7-5 and five, since he's also 7-5 and five with the loss. So is L.A. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting 
uh, final five five weeks of the season. 